today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Christians, our lives are to be so different, radically changed and transformed so that people know that we really have been transformed. We are to be little Christ, reflecting Christ's love. Someone said, live so that if people get to know you, they will get to know Christ better. That's good. Live. Live in that way. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our heads We need to be aware of the fact that we are representing something greater than ourselves. Our actions are judged by those around us. Today, Pastor Ed asks whether or not others are seeing godly examples from us. Paul told the Philippians that they needed to live as citizens of heaven. Through this, they came to understand that the things they did would represent the entire Christian community. If you claim to the world that you are a Christian, know that the world looks to you for an example of Christ. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message, Heavenly Citizens. Building in faith. Philippians chapter 1, beginning to read with verse 27. Paul the Apostle is now moving on from talking about his own circumstances and situation to looking now at those at Philippi. And he begins to exhort them and remind them of their position, their citizenship. They belong to heaven, and their citizenship is in heaven. Verse 27, chapter 1. Whatever, whatever, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or not, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them They will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Paul the Apostle is reminding a church that he loved, shepherded and founded, that their citizenship is in heaven and that they are to live lives worthy of the gospel, lives that reflect this incredible relationship that God has given and granted them. Let's pray and ask his blessing on the preaching of his word. Lord Jesus, would you come and just... Speak to our hearts. 
Write your word on our heart, on the tablestone of our heart. And God, I ask you that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we will be transformed and we will become more like you as we hear what the Spirit is saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Shakespeare wrote a number of plays, several plays, about Henry V. He began with Prince Henry as a vain, desolate young man who spent his time drinking and carousing. He was in bad company. But when his father died, it changed Henry V, according to the play. He writes, but when Henry's father, the king, dies, Henry changes. Prince Henry realizes in the play his unworthiness and that the crown will be his through no virtue of his own. So he confesses to his dying father, the king, you won it, wore it, kept it, and gave it to me. Then upon the crown being given to Henry, he vows to live a worthy life, worthy of that honor being bestowed upon him. And he says this, the tide of blood in me had proudly flowed in vanity till now. Now doth it turn and ebb back to the sea, where it shall mingle with the state of floods and flow henceforth in formal majesty. Henry V was changed by the honor bestowed upon him, one not by his own virtue, but just by the position given to him. Paul is saying something like that. He's saying, you have your name on heaven's rolls. You've been made a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that should change everything. The responsibility of our heavenly citizenship is my first point. In Philippians 1.27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. And I'm using the New Living Translation here because it really brings out the nuances of the Greek When the NIV, the New American Standard, uh, and some other translations translated the idea of conduct, it really is citizenship, and it has the idea that live like a citizen. Now, to Paul's audience, immediately they would pick up what Paul was saying, because Philippi was given an honor of being a colony of Rome. They were made uh, an extension of the city of Rome. They conducted their political affairs like Rome did. They had Roman customs. They used Latin. They had Roman laws. They enjoyed the rights of a citizen of Rome. And they were very proud of that position. And he says, live as citizens of heaven. Again, look at the verses. Above all, you must live as a citizen of heaven. 
Philippi was like a little Rome. And they were proud of their citizenship. They were proud to be a Roman citizen. And Paul is saying, you need to think about your citizenship that's in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. You belong to the kingdom that's coming. You belong to a heavenly kingdom. And live like that. In Philippians 3.20, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Those in Philippi, those in Rome, they would take some incense and they would declare that Caesar was a god. They would say, Caesar is Lord. But Christians couldn't do that. They couldn't say that. There was only one Lord. And because of that, they were considered disloyal. And some of them were in jeopardy of losing their lives. They were persecuted because of their commitment to Christ. Paul is saying, let your life, let your language, let your disposition, let how you live out your life display that your citizenship is in heaven. See, our values are different from the world's values. Our lifestyle should be different from the world's lifestyle. How we live and how we walk and how we talk and how we interact, how we conduct our lives demonstrates that we have another constitution. It's the constitution of God's word that we're following. We're living our lives after the Sermon on the Mount. It was back, I believe, in the late 60s, early 70s that the phrase ugly American was coined. It spoke about those Americans that didn't respect the culture of others, didn't respect the traditions of others. It was a a derogatory term pinned on Americans who caused foreigners to think about Americans in a a way that, boy, those people are rude and they're crude. What do people think about our Lord and Savior when they see us, when they interact with us? There should be no ugly Christians that we bring ill repute on the kingdom. And that's what Paul the Apostle is getting at. He's telling us that we have a loyalty to the kingdom of God a loyalty to Jesus Christ. And that's our first loyalty. Yes, we are Americans. And we ought to, well, live by the laws of the land. But above and beyond that, we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And there ought to be something about our lives that displays that. So he says, live as citizens of the kingdom. But he really says... Also, live worthy of the gospel. In 127, again, and I'm using the NIV here. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news. It's the news that Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. And we have hope by believing in him. We have eternal life by believing in him. The answer to society ills is not in a political party. It's not in 
man's own abilities. It's in the gracious message of God who frees us from selfish motives, who frees us from low living and base living, who frees us to do the good that we're incapable in ourselves to do. The gospel, live worthy of that gospel. Live worthy of the cause of Jesus Christ. Early Christians were the best apologetic argument for Christianity. Their lives displayed and defended and declared the gospel of Christ. Our lives need to display, defend, and declare the gospel of Christ. That's what he's saying. Let your life be Live so that your good advertisement for the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, the New Living Translation says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We're telling a world that's lost That is prodigal. Come back to God. Our lifestyle is saying, come back to God. We're awakening the conscience of the society. We're awakening the conscience of the culture. And we're pointing people to the one and true one, Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying, live a life worthy of the gospel. The gospel, the good news is God giving his life for us Doesn't that mean that we give our lives to him? Anything that you give your life to, you could spend and live a hundred years, but if you don't make Jesus Christ the number one priority, those years could be squandered and useless and wasteful. We pray, oh, Lord, let me live a long life, but live a long life and accomplish something for the kingdom, for the gospel. You can be involved in helping and doing good things, and we ought to do that. But to be involved in the name of Jesus, for the cause of Jesus, for the purpose of Christ, pointing people to the Lord. I think about uh, how oftentimes people fall into unbelief because of the lives of Christians. Because their life contradicts the message Their life obliterates what they're saying. Their life speaks in contradiction to what they are saying with their mouth. One person, I think of Jesse James, the outlaw. He was baptized in church. And that very same day that he was baptized, he went out and robbed the bank. And in the process, he killed someone. Christians... Our lives are to be so different, radically changed and transformed so that people know that we really have been transformed. We are to be little Christ reflecting Christ's love. Someone said, live so that if people get to know you, they will get to know Christ better. That's good. Live. Live in that way. So that if people get to know you, they will get to know Christ better. Now, he explains what are the marks of a citizenship, marks of living worthy of the gospel. In verses 27b to 28, he describes those characteristics, those marks. In the text, it says, then whether I come and see you 
or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. Now, notice the first phrase. He says, whether I come or just here, live for the Lord. He was asking them for consistency. Whether I come and hear and see you or only hear about you in my absence, he says, I know that you're standing firm. Christians need to be consistent. The same at home as they are at church, the same in church as they are at work. There needs to be a congruency in all places, at all times, in all ways, that we're not different outside the church when the preacher comes to visit People take the Bible out of the closet, dust it off, put it on the end table, take some other magazines and put them off somewhere else. As Christians, there ought to be a consistency about our life. In the journey of faith, men and women have served as mothers in the Lord, fathers in the Lord, encouraging you. If they're taken off the scene, if something happens and there's a distance between you and them, that shouldn't affect how you live. You should live a Christian life, a godly life, following the Lord with all your heart, with all your strength, with all that's within you. That's what Paul is saying. Be consistent about your Christian life. Oftentimes, we forget there's a great cloud of witnesses, and we're in this arena of faith. We're fighting the good fight of faith, and they're watching. They're cheering us on. Those who have gone on before, are, we're connected with them in some mysterious way. As they're cheering us on. We ought to be taking up that mantle, taking that baton, and going forward in the kingdom, doing God's will, God's way. That's what Paul is encouraging them, to be consistent, faithful through all the journey. Some people start off in the fire, they're saved and they're zealous, and they're going on for God. But as the years go by, as the trials come into their life, as difficult times come before them, they slow down in their pace, they weary, and they finish badly. We want to finish well the race set before us. We want to run with that first love, that zeal, that determination to do the will of God and to finish strongly. How are you running? How are you fighting the good fight of faith? Ah, do it with all your heart, all your strength, all your might. It's wonderful to see Christians year after year follow the Lord, trial after trial follow the Lord. So disheartening to see once someone who walked with God, and then years later, you see that they're not what they once were. Paul is saying, be consistent, be faithful, all through the race. But he's not only saying be consistent, he's saying cooperate, cooperate. Then whether I come and see you only or hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Uh, 
what he's saying here is that there should be a team spirit. He's using athletic terms. He's using, also there's some nuance of a military term. Fight together, work together. What happens is Christians sometimes do the wrong thing. They fight each other. Oh, they fight each other over the color of the rug. Or the song service, this song or that type of music. They, they, they fight each other over uh, all sorts of things. And it diffuses the strength of the church. It diffuses the ability of the church to make a difference. We all have our preferences. We all have our likes and dislikes. But Paul the Apostle was saying to the church at Philippi, he said, put those aside. Stand together. One spirit, one heart, one mind. Fighting the battle. We have to focus on the real enemy. The real enemy is Satan. The real enemy is the enemy of your soul. The real enemy is the one who's deceiving the world, sending it to hell. Recognize where the enemy is. You know, it's, it's, it's so frustrating at times when the church forgets what the battle is. We need to be a voice to our culture, a voice of justice that deals with the injustices of society, a voice that deals with the moral problems of society. A voice that speaks out to the culture and is a conscience. And even though the society may not like that and may not agree with that, still, that's our call to be prophetic, not pathetic. We're not called to just be in seclusion and cloister and go into some place of seclusion. We're called to stand forth with the word of God preaching the truth of God, battling and fighting. We're in a battle. We're in a fight. We're in a spiritual struggle. When the church of Philippi was founded, it was founded in the fires of trial. Paul was thrown into prison. Silas was thrown into prison. They were beaten. Uh, The church was still going through very difficult times. There's a story about how in Rome, during the gladiator fights, one of the men who was there was a Syrian monk named Lamorous. Lamorous saw these gladiators fighting. He became so disturbed by the bloodshed that he ran down from the stands, he ran down onto the field, and he protested. And the people were angry. And so someone took a spear and they threw it at him. And it went through him and killed him. But four months later, the gladiator games stopped. And one of the contributing factors was this man's willingness to protest. Willingness to speak about the wrongs of society. So Paul talks about courage. In verse 28, you see, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Now that word frightened means spooked. It's a word that's used for horses when the horse gets frightened by an animal on the side of the road or sees something that distracts it and it rears up on its hind feet. He said, don't be frightened. 
Thank you, Pastor Ed, for that uplifting teaching. Philippians is filled with wisdom for life today, and Paul gives us such practical direction for shining the light of Christ into a world that is lost in darkness. We hope that today's message was encouraging to you and helped to build you up in your faith. Maybe as you were listening, you thought of someone else who would love the encouragement from this message as well. So please feel free to share today's teaching with your friends and family. You can find this message and many others from Pastor Ed online at buildinginfaithradio.com. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area, we'd love to see you at Faith Assembly. Come on over on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. for a faith-filled time of worship and learning together. Or stop by on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for a deeper time of study into the Word. You can learn more at that same website, buildinginfaithradio.com. If you have other questions, prayer requests, or would simply like more information about the life-changing love of Jesus, please call us at 845-462-5955. We'd love to share with you. We're so glad you joined us today. We'd like you to know that we're praying for you as you go through your day and ask that you be praying for the mission of building in faith, that many people would be drawn closer to Jesus. Tune in again as we continue in Philippians right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores